always wanted to have a reason to do that. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Prayer hands, prayer hands. Good morning, Harlem. How are you guys doing? Um, I did not fall away. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I even shared my faith while I was in the hospital. Amen, amen. So uh, any uh, fears about your fearless leader being uh, sliding away, let's put it to rest. It's good to see you guys. I missed everybody. I missed everybody. I'm so grateful uh, for the brothers stepping up and stepping in and, and um, you know, just hearing you guys sing. It was, it's like music to my ears, so I'm grateful to be back. Uh, you know, it's funny that we're, we're, we're wrapping up our Idol series with comfort because uh, during this time of uh, pain, God had really exposed how, how much I idolize comfort. And I, and I know, we'll talk a little bit about it, but, you know, it's, it's uh, something we really have to, have to explore in our hearts. I know oftentimes we, 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 we feel like, you know, we need to be at peace, we need to be at ease, and we even deserve that. But we got to be very careful about how much we really put into comfort. So let's start our, our time together off with the word of prayer. And we'll jump into our message for today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father God, we are truly grateful for this time together. We thank you for the break in the weather. Uh, we break, thank you for being the God of all comfort. And we also thank you, Father, for your word and, and uh, the fellowship which keeps us going. I pray, Father, that my words will be your words, that you'll give me the strength to uh, preach this message, God, and that you'll continue to carry us forward. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to do some soul searching to uh, expose all the deep-rooted idols that may be in our lives, God, and help us to replace them with the true God, yourself, God. And I pray that you'll help us uh, in this time to uh, keep our, our eyes fixed on Jesus so when we need strength and encouragement, we know where to turn. Uh, we love you and thank you. It's all in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into this. Open your Bibles up to Amos chapter 6. The book of Amos, chapter 6, the last of our Deep Idol series uh, we're going to look at is comfort. And I know, you know, just to give us a brief recap, we, we talked about what the Deep Idols are. They're the things that drive the desires in our hearts, in our lives. They're the things that feed the sin, the temptation, the desires in our lives. There's a root that God expects us to deal with if we're, about, if we're going to make any change in our lives. Otherwise, we're just changing our behavior. And that's not what discipleship is about. Discipleship is not about just changing your behavior, just doing the right things. It's about being something. It's about being like someone. And when we just correct behavior, we're not dealing with the root in our lives. We're just trimming the hedges. We're not pulling the weeds up by the root. And so you may find yourself wrestling with certain things, and why can't I get past this? Well, ask yourself, have you really dug deep? And it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. In fact, it may be downright painful, but it is necessary. And so we looked at some deep idols. We looked at 
control. We talked about how control sets its roots in our lives and how it can drive us to want to take control of our lives and, and cut God totally out of, pic- out of the picture. We talked about importance and how we can have this, this need, this deep desire for praise and for admiration and how imp- feeling self-important can feed our ego and how if we don't get acknowledgement from the right person, that can ruin our day. And that's not a good thing. God wants us to understand and to know that we're important to him regardless of who remembers your birthday, regardless of who follows you on Twitter, regardless of who who likes your Facebook post. God is more important and you're more important to God than those things. And so today we're going to look at the final idol of comfort. Now we're going to look at Amos, the book of Amos, and this was written during the time of great prosperity and political stability in both Judah and Israel. At this time, the kingdom of Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the north kingdom and the south kingdom, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. And God sent this shepherd, a fig grower named Amos, to deliver a message to his people because he noticed that the condition of their hearts had changed. And, you know, the real test of our hearts are not when we're struggling or suffering. It's when we're prosperous. It's when everything is going well, where where our marriages are fine. It's, It's like, do we still pray with the same fervent energy and zeal that we do when our marriage is down the rocks? When our children are happy and they're bringing home A's and they're they're making the honor roll, do you still pray for them? When they're not bringing in good grades, when they're being rebellious, you see, the true test of our hearts are when everything is going fine, when we're making money, when our bills are paid on time, do we still give glory to God or do we ignore what God has been doing and how God has blessed us? And so God sent Amos to both both, uh Judah and Israel with this message. If you turn to your Bibles, Amos uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Here's part of the message that God sent to, uh, to his people. He says, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. Go to Calneh. And look at it, and go from there to Great Hamath, and then go down to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than you two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? You put off the evil day and bring near a reign of terror. You lie on beds inlaid with ivory and lounge on your couches. You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. You strum away on your harps like David and improvise on musical instruments. You drink wine by the bowlfuls and use the finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, you will be among the first to go into exile. Your feasting and lounging will end. You know, one thing you got to appreciate about the Old Testament is that God holds nothing back. God doesn't sugarcoat his messages. And I think today, today's religious world, we often seek out churches that sugarcoat the message. I don't want to hear anything about no repentance. 
I don't want to hear anything about what I did. I don't want you to. I didn't come here to feel guilty for what I did the week before. I came here for you guys to put on a great show. I want the choir to be on. And if they're off key, I'm not coming back here next week. The preacher better be sweating. He better be poor. The, the floor better be dripping with his sweat because he's preaching and telling me how good a person I am. In our religious world, the message now is be happy and do whatever it takes to achieve happiness. And here the thing, here's the thing. God wants us to be happy. But when happiness becomes the only thing, it becomes an idol in our lives. God sent the message to Amos. He said, go and tell my people that their hearts are not in the right place. Now, I don't know what condition your heart is in this morning. Your heart may be in a great place. You may not even struggle with some of the things we're going to talk about. But it doesn't mean that it won't be a challenge in the future. You may know someone who's going through this very thing. Now, I don't know about you, but lounging sounds pretty good to me. Laying in the bed laid with ivory doesn't sound that bad to me. I mean, if it's good, it's good, right? I mean, come on. But as a culture, as a, as a nation, and as Israel's, and as individuals, much like Americans, these people sat on top of prosperity. They were doing well compared to everyone else around them. You know, Amos brought up these other towns, Gath, uh, Gath and, and, and because it was destroyed at one point. These were, these were cities that God had destroyed because of their pride. And he told them, look at these. Are you guys any better off than they are? Why are you acting this way? And, you know, sometimes if we're, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I remember when I, when I got my first, my first job where I was actually making some money and I had some benefits, you feel a little something about yourself, don't you? I mean, it, it does feel good to be able to take a cab every now and again and not just have to hop on a train because that's all you could afford. I mean, it felt good being able to buy the pair of shoes you want and not just the pair that you can afford, right? I mean, I was feeling good. I'm like, hey, you know, this is, this is good. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with enjoying a few things in life. But God's concern is the condition of our hearts. You know, I believe if Amos was speaking today to our culture, he might say some things like, they lie in adjustable beds with memory foam mattresses and advanced contour pillow features lounged out in their recliners and lazy boys and dine on made-to-order cooked just right foods and pizzas delivered to their door. They rejoice in their 4K ultra-high-definition TVs while streaming movies and music through their wireless surround sound systems. They drink lattes and frappuccinos by the bowlful and indulge in home zucchinis and under-pulsating showerheads, but do not grieve over the things that break God's heart. Sometimes we get a little disconnected because it's like, well, we don't, Bro, I don't even know what ivory is. I mean, so that just. But let's let's bring it let's let's bring it to our time and culture. I know some of us we can't wait to go home, to enjoy that ultra 4K high definition TV. I got one. I enjoy it when my kids allow me to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's not miss the picture here. Israel stopped caring about the things that broke God's heart. That's hidden right there in that message. We're going to come back to that. You know, 
contrary to what we may believe about comfort, you know, the Bible actually speaks favorably about comfort. In fact, God called one of his other prophets, Isaiah, to go and deliver a message about comfort. In Isaiah 40, uh, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You know, God, off, God knows what you need and when you need it. And God looks for opportunities to send you comfort. In 2 Corinthians 13, verses 3-4, through 4, it says, The Father of compassion, that's who God is. He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God is the Father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. The comfort Paul is referring to here is the kind that's defined as to give strength and hope to. To ease the grief and trouble of. But that's not the comfort that Amos was sent to rebuke. The comfort that we tend to idolize leads to one thing. Complacency. And you see, although God is the God of all comfort, God is not the God of complacency. And so we have to have the right perspective and have the right boundaries. Now the problem that the problem is not that we have a few comforts. Enjoy that car. Enjoy the temperature control in the car. Enjoy the leather seats in your car. If you have one, enjoy your, full, your 4K ultra-high definition TV. Enjoy those things. But don't let them lead you to complacency. So the problem is when comfort creates complacency in our lives, that's when God has to step in. That's when God has to step in and remind us that there's a lost world out there that I called you to show compassion to. I need you to step out of your comfort zone and help someone else to show my love to them through yourself. Now the Hebrew word that Amos uses to describe the condition of where their hearts were at can be defined as undisturbed, at ease, and untroubled. So in other words, he was saying that your hearts have become undisturbed by the things that breaks God's heart among his people. That you've become at ease. You've become indifferent. You've become, it doesn't matter to you, you know, being laid up for, for a few months, all I had to do really, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. So uh, you can imagine how, dis- how discouraging, how, how depressed I was. I was binge watching Supernatural. You guys ever watch Supernatural? I love that show. I'm binge watching, reading my Bible, you know, answer some emails. Turn on Supernatural. Because I couldn't, I had to, once you get, once I got into a comfortable position, I had to stay in that position. And it was the same thing when I went to sleep. If I laid on my side, if I tried to move, the pain would come right back. And it has been going on since October. You know, it's like someone standing behind you with a knife in your back 
and you're trying to focus on the conversation you're having, and this person is sticking his knife in your back, and they're saying, hey, you, you understand what you're saying? You, you know what they said? You, come on, you're not paying attention, are you? And, and so I'm trying to focus, and then finally it just got to the point to where my body just gave out, and I couldn't put any weight on my legs. So I'm laying down, and I'm watching TV, and I'm watching and trying to keep up with the political uh, 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 100 days of our president, and, and I have to turn from that because I'm getting discouraged, and then I turn back, and, and then you hear about all the hurt and pain that's going on around us. What's happening in Syria? I mean, I just broke my heart, and I'm sitting there, and I'm laid up, and I'm just thinking, man, here I am. When I had my legs, what was I doing? Because when you're laying down and you can't get up, you can't do anything, you start to feel helpless. You feel powerless. God has given us great help. And I started to take my, my health for granted. I realized, man, man, when I'm on my feet, am I using it to carry out God's word? There are people suffering around me. I can only imagine what people are going through. I have a wife. I have a great church family who sends me good food and, and homemade cheesecake and, 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 and corn bakes and, and all sorts of things. And I'm thinking, man, I'm comfortable. I'm loved. What about those who don't have this? Those who are suffering alone. Those are the things that break God's heart. And he's thinking, you're laid up. You're comfortable. You're good. But there are people who are not, and you don't care. You stop caring. See, evangelism is not just about getting people to church. It's about telling people about a God who cares. It's about telling people about a God of true comfort. Invite somebody over to watch Supernatural on that 4K ultra high definition TV with yourself. Let somebody share, you know, bring somebody over to enjoy some of those comforts that God has blessed you with. See, the person, this was a personal struggle for me. God exposed this in my life. I, I came to expect, I started to realize that I expect comfort. I cherish it. And I even demand it to be comfortable. My prayers, they changed, man. I was praying, I was going from praying like, Lord, help me through this. I know I trust you. You're my God. You, you're going to take me through this to what is going on? Why am I still in pain? Why is it getting worse? Didn't I go through enough? Didn't I suffer enough? And then you start, and then you realize, whoa, why, was, why is this coming out of me? Because I expect to be comfortable. I've served. I've given up. I deserve a little comfort. Here's the thing. You know, comfort becomes an idol in our lives when it keeps our hearts from responding to God. If you refuse to change because it's uncomfortable, you got to ask yourself, that might be a possibility that you may be worshiping this idol. If someone has been asking you to make a change because it's ungodly, and you refuse to do it because it's uncomfortable. I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. 
then you may be worshiping the idol of comfort. Comfort becomes an idol when it shapes our expectation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus instead of Jesus himself. That was me. It started to shape my, my expectations. I started, I'm like, look, I'm an evangelist in your church. I'm doing good things. I read my Bible every day. I pray. I share my faith when I have the opportunity. I study the Bible with people. I help your people when they need me. I, I'm trying to, do, trying to do the best that I can. And in our expectations, when they're not met, we get all upset. And we think that something's wrong. Something's wrong. I, I'm not either, either I'm not praying hard enough, I'm not putting enough in the plate, maybe I'm not reaching out to enough people. We think it's all the things that we do. Maybe it's just part of the life. You ever think about that? You know, nowhere in the Bible are you promised that life is going to be comfortable. And if you're visiting with us today, I'm sorry to break the bad news. I do hope you come back. And you may be thinking, well, if, if, if following Jesus doesn't give me comfort, then why become a Christian in the first place? Why, why should I give up my life for doing what I love and, 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 and thing that pleases me to follow Jesus when I'm going to suffer, bro? Because at least you suffer with Jesus instead of without him. At least you've got a God in heaven that will help you through and that can bring you true comfort when you need it instead of trying to figure it out on your own. See, comfort becomes an idol in our lives when we feel blindsided by hardship. Why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. This shouldn't be going on in my life. This shouldn't be going on in my marriage. This shouldn't be happening to my kids. What's going on? I feel blindsided, Lord. You know, that's the idol of comfort right there. I think some of us have been so conditioned by comfort that when our spiritual lives hit a snag or our walk with Christ costs us something, we start to panic and wonder what's wrong. Can we look at some scriptures here? Jesus does not expect our relationship to be smooth and trouble-free. It doesn't say that all the expectations that we have will be met. But this is what the Bible actually says in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure hardship, that means it's going to come. Endure it. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. These are important things to tell people when they're coming to Christ so they don't expect to come in and, 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 and get baptized and, and make Jesus Lord of their life and then everything is going to be smooth. If someone told you that, they're lying to you. They're lying. It's not. If you want to live a godly life, you're going to have to stand up against some very nasty opposition. It's going to be very uncomfortable, even amongst your friends and family. You're going to have to take a stand on some things that the Bible preaches and enforces, and you may feel very uncomfortable in that position, but because God has a bigger plan, 
We can't compromise to make people feel comfortable. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable with you praying around me. Can you stop? Um, I'm sorry, but no. I know sometimes our jobs, they tell us, hey, no proselytizing. I don't want y'all. I'm like, look, I serve a higher authority, and I'm going to make the most of every opportunity I'm given. I won't post flies in my church around. I won't stand up on my desk and yell out, we have a church at Aaron Davis Hall at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Everybody come. I, I won't, but I will not. Woe to me if I do not preach the good news. That was Paul's attitude. And Paul went through far more than any of us can imagine as a Christian. We, we, we submit to a higher authority. And sometimes it is uncomfortable, people. I understand, you know, James 1 tells us this was my theme scripture. I had to cling to the scripture, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. In other words, you will mature, needing nothing. You won't need someone to hold your hand and walk you into church and sit with you and then walk you home again. You won't need someone to walk you through your times in the Bible or to walk you through a, 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 a hiccup in your marriage because you know what? I've endured. In fact, you want to get to a place in your faith where you're like, you know what, Satan, hit me with your best shot. What do you got? Because I got a bigger God that stands behind me and you can't do anything that he won't allow you to do. That's where God is trying to get our hearts to be. That's where God is trying to get your faith that when the economy is falling apart, you're not falling apart. That when you hear threats about layoffs on your job, you're not concerned because you got a God who happens to be the God of all comfort, who doesn't want you to worry, who takes care of the birds that we don't even worry about, but it still makes time to meet your little needs. That's who our Father is. And God is trying to get us to a place that we don't fall apart when things go wrong or bad around us. That we're not discouraged at the, at, the, at the sound of the slightest bad news. That if we add on a few pounds, we don't fall apart and think that God doesn't love me anymore because I put on a few pounds. God loves you no matter what you look like. No matter how much you weigh. No matter how much you make. No matter what's in your closet or in your refrigerator or your bank account, God still loves you. He just wants to make sure that the love he's showing you you're ready and willing to show to others. You know, I look at men like Paul, and I tell you, Paul convicts you, man. He takes away all the excuses. He takes away, and I, and I think about in those days, I'm like, man, God, why, you know, these are people who served you. Why, why didn't you just, just make sure that nothing happened to them? Why, did you, why didn't you make it easy? They were there doing your will. It's because God is like, because I don't want you to grow complacent. I don't want you to get comfortable. Look at what, this is, I call this Paul's ministry resume right here. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk this, like this. I am more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I re received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. He was flogged five times. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked, and besides everything else, I've faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If anybody had an excuse to escape and retreat was Paul. But Paul still cared about God's people. Amos wasn't talking about Paul. See, Paul lived in an uncomfortable... I think sometimes... The true blessings is in the midst of our suffering. You know, I feel stronger in the Lord when I'm in pain. When I'm going through it, I feel that I have to rely more on God. And it keeps my mind, it keeps my perspective in the right place. It helps me to understand that you are frail. You're, you're wasting away on the outside, but you need to make sure you're being renewed on the inwardly day by day. We got to decide in our hearts right now that I'm not going to let comfort, the desire for comfort, rule my life. Ask yourself right now, are you avoiding responsibilities? Afraid to make a commitment because you fear that there may be some stress or or sacrifice involved? Do you find yourself consuming hours of television, alcohol, nicotine, shopping, and constantly looking for pleasure or instant gratification? Do you find yourself constantly retreating into excessive hobbies, excessive work, excessive serving around the church just to avoid tension at home? You have a deep desire to escape every week. This could be a sign that you have a problem with comfort. But there is good news. There is good news. The solution is God himself, the God of of compassion, the Father of compassion. Amos rebuked the people of Israel for their commitment to comfort because they lacked compassion. They stopped caring. And God, God, God prospered his people not for their benefit, but to, so that he could show the other nations that there is a living God and that he lives with Israel. Israel was supposed to be a beacon of hope to the rest of the world. They were supposed to show the rest of the world that all those false idols and gods that you're worshiping is not the true God. Look at how God has taken care of us. Look at how this this nation of shepherds have overcome kingdoms with, with, with farming tools, overthrown chariots, all because they have a powerful and mighty God working in their way. There are things that happen in your life. You don't you can't even explain how God has brought you this far. Because it wasn't you. It was God. It was absolutely God. Some of us know we should be in different circumstances. Some of us have escaped dire straits because God has come in and came through for us. That's the God we serve. That's the father of all comfort. That is the God of compassion. In Amos 6, here's the problem. 
says you drank wine by the bowlful and used finest lotions, but you do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. God's people stopped caring. And compassion is the answer for complacency. You know, do you know what breaks God's heart? I think we got to know. We, you need to know what break, what will break his heart in order to show compassion, to, to, to show that you care. You need to educate yourself on what are the things that break God's heart. I think sometimes, you know, we, because we don't know, we don't do anything. And ignorance is not an excuse for lack of compassion. A few things that I think that break God's heart is the weak are forgotten, neglected, or ignored. When we put our trust in things that God created rather than in God himself. Things that break God's heart, that breaks God's heart is broken hearts, broken homes, broken vows. That's just to name a few. It says that they did not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Amos says that the people of Israel and Judah were careful and attentive to the proper wine to serve with their fish, but they could care less of the moral decline in their nation. They spent time and thought on how to furnish their homes, but they thought nothing about the spiritual needs among God's people. Their comfort was all that they were concerned about. They did not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. They stay in their cozy bubbles, their social groups, their cliques, because it's so comfortable while folks around them are starving for fellowship, crying out for help, needing someone to befriend them, needing someone in their life to help mature them. They do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. They measure their evangelism to a dying world against their comfort level. They worship in ways they're comfortable with. They give amounts that they're comfortable giving. They stop attending or change their church when someone challenges them to come out of their comfort zone. And that's because comfort has become their God. You know, it all comes down to a deeper trust in God. God is the God of all comfort. He knows. He cares. God understands. He hears you when you pray. He hears you when you're weeping. He knows. Let me tell you, there was, there was some times where I just, I felt like, man, God is pushing me away from him. Why else would I be suffering? He must want me to leave. I mean, you get, when, you, when you've been suffering for so long, you can start to go through some things. Am I right or not? I, I know I'm not the only one. I know we're not supposed to say some things as Christians, but I'm thinking some things and I'm feeling some things, Lord. Do you want me to be close to you or not? God is like, absolutely. That's why I'm causing the pain. When do you go to a doctor? When you're healthy? You go when there's something wrong. And some of us, even then, we don't go. Just take some Tylenol. Just need to sleep it off. Get up and go to the hospital. You know, I've been, I've been dealing with this back issue. Pride keeping me from doing the things I needed. I'm like, come on, you know, nah, man up, man up. <laughs> My wife practically had to carry me from the bathroom. The Lord gave that woman superhuman strength on the day of my surgery. My knees buckled. My eyes were rolling in the back of my head. I was in shock, sweating profusely, almost passed out. She helped me up. 
I don't know how the Lord gave her the strength, but she did. Why? We, 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 we want to be comfortable. And let me tell you something. I feel a lot closer to God. I feel, a, I feel more connected to God. I care more. Going through this experience makes me understand, helps me understand a little better about what people who suffer day in and day out go through. Because we can take our health for granted. We, we can take things for granted so easily, and they condition our hearts into complacency. So how do we deal with this? Number one is repent. I know it sounds like a no-brainer, but yes, we got to repent. We have to change our, our attitudes and our thought about comfort. You know, God, we got to get brutally honest with ourselves and ask God questions like, in what ways have I chosen comfort over your commands and plans for my life? What choices have I made purely for comfort's sake? Whom have I neglected or avoided simply because it would be uncomfortable for me? Asking ourselves these questions. Hosea 14, verse 2, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. We got to go to work, God, with words of honest sincerity that, God, I, I, I want to change. I want to change and I need you to help me. Secondly is resist. Resist. Remember in Matthew 16, verses 24, Jesus said, you must deny yourself and carry a cross. And I, you know, I asked myself, I wonder if people really understand what does it mean to carry their cross? What does it mean to deny yourself? It doesn't mean that you say no to everything. It just means that you say no to the things that can lead you to being complacent, for being too comfortable. If the Spirit is prompting you to do something, then you keep in step with the Spirit. But if you don't want to do it, I don't feel like it, right there you know I should do it. Just because I don't feel like it, maybe I should get up and do it. Because that's denying yourself. Looking at your phone, I don't want to talk to this person. That person could be calling you screaming for help. You may have been the fifth person they tried to reach that day. Picking it up. Being there for somebody. Resist. You know, once you spent, repent, you take the next step. We got to put action behind our words. I like how the message version says this. It says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. What kind of deal is it, get, is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade for your soul? Jesus calls us to follow his example, not the example of the world. And then lastly, replace, repent, resist, then replace. Replace that false God with the true God. In Romans 12, verse 2, that means taking a, a sober estimate of where we're at and no longer conforming to the way and the patterns of this world. The world tells you, you deserve it. You deserve to be stress-free. You deserve, companies have made billions of dollars off of comfort alone. 
You deserve it. You you worked hard. You deserve to go out there and buy that Lexus. Only two ninety nine a month. Zero percent down. Zero percent payment and all that. You deserve the driving style, boy. You worked hard. You've been driving these 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 hand me downs, these used cars. You deserve to go out there and buy something you can't afford. So what? You can't afford it. At least you'll be happy and you look good in it. Girl, you know you've been working hard. You got the kids. You got to go home. You got to go feed that hungry man that never does dishes or always complaining about what's next and, and he don't help you. You deserve to go in that shopping place and you deserve to spend as much money on yourself as possible because you work hard too. And that's your money too. I'm a single person. I've dedicated all my life to the Lord. I deserve love. I deserve a companion. I deserve to be in a race. I deserve to, to, to have the things that I want because I've kept myself for the Lord. And when we start making these, 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 these words to God, we start saying these things to God, we're starting to forget, wait a second, I'm supposed to be following Jesus. No, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world worships comfort because it believes that if that's where true happiness lies. But it's not. True happiness lies in God himself. In John 4, just before we take communion, you know, Jesus found himself at a well talking to a woman and he asked her for a drink of water. And this woman said, well, you know, sir, you know, she's willing to give him the water. And Jesus told her about her life. They started a conversation. And he told her, I said, you know, people that drink from this, this well, they'll be thirsty again. But those who drink from the, the spring of living water will never be thirsty in verse 13, it says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now right here, Jesus, she thought he was talking literally about the water in the well. She said, my people have been coming here for hundreds of years. And, and, and you know, Jesus had a spiritual message behind this. He, in essence, he's saying that, you know, these things, you will need this again if you depend only on this. If you put all your hope in your career, it's never going to fulfill you. If you put all your hope and happiness in your marriage, you will be disappointed. If you put your, your heart and your, your soul and your, 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 all you have in your children, it will disappoint you. the fact that your talents have not been recognized and realized it can disappoint you all these things that I give you to enjoy can disappoint you if you put all your hope in that but put your hope in me and there will be a well of satisfaction that will be never ending you know it is possible to be happy and live in poverty it's you know, you, you, there are people who live in situations that we could not fathom, and they still have, they still, they're still happy. They're still happy. Why? 
because they embrace their suffering. And I believe that once we embrace the fact that, you know what, I'm going to have trouble in this world. But as long as I have God on my side, I can face it with confidence. Jesus did not even consider God asking him to go to the cross as too much. He said, I'll go. What is God calling you to do? Is God calling you out of your comfort zone? If he is, it's for a reason. It's not to make your life miserable. It's to protect your heart from no longer caring about those around you. So as we prepare our hearts for communion, let's go to God with the word of prayer. Let's thank God for the body of Christ that was broken for our sake and the blood that flowed from his body for our salvation and our cleansing of, the cleansing of our hearts. It's good to be back. It's good to see you guys. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for helping us uh, to see in your word that you are the God of all comfort, that you are the source of true happiness. And, Father, we thank you for Jesus and him dying for us on the cross, for him taking us uh, out of a, a spiritual dis, uh, state of misery, God, and, and leading our souls to a place of eternity by his sacrifice, by his willingness to give up the comforts of heaven, to come down on earth, to be a man, and to suffer humiliation, ridicule, and death on the cross. We thank you, and we pray that as we take the body, uh, represented by the crack, the bread, that we'll not forget what he's done for us. We, we thank you for the blood represented by the juice that you'll help us as we take it, God, to, to remember that we're cleansed by his blood. And that if we don't have a walk with him, that you're always open to sitting down and teaching us how to live for you, God. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.